the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. Today is Wednesday, March the 16th, 2022, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1521, Portuguese explorer Ferdinand Magellan. He and his crew reached the Philippines. Magellan got into a fight with the natives. He was killed in the battle, but his crew and their ship continued. They became the first to circumnavigate the globe. Today in 1802, President Thomas Jefferson, he signed a measure authorizing the establishment of the U.S. Military Academy at West Point, New York. Today in 1935, Adolf Hitler decided to break the military terms set by the Treaty of Versailles. He ordered the rearming of Germany. Today in 1945, during World War II, American forces declared that they had secured Iwo Jima although pockets of Japanese resistance remained. Today, in 1968, Senator Robert Kennedy, New York, he announced his candidacy for the Democratic presidential nomination. As we all know, that did not end well. It ended with his assassination. Today, in 1994, figure skater Tanya Harding, she pleaded guilty in Portland, Oregon, to conspiracy to hinder prosecution for covering up an attack on rival Nancy Kerrigan. Both were world-class figure skaters. She avoided going to jail, but she drew a $100,000 fine. Today in 2004, China declared victory in its fight against bird flu, saying it had stamped out all known cases. Of course. Today in 2014, Crimeans voted to leave Ukraine and join Russia, overwhelmingly approving a referendum that sought to unite the strategically important Black Sea region with the country it was part of for some 250 years. Well, today I can announce with certainty that Ukraine does not want to follow Crimea and they do not want to join Russia. In fact, they want to defeat Russia. It is a David and Goliath kind of situation, but nonetheless, they are taking their stand. I want to talk to you just for a few moments this morning about what the Ukrainian president, Vladimir Zelensky, said this morning in a virtual address to our United States Congress. He pleaded with the U.S. to help. I'll tell you what he said in a moment. But I got a verse so many times when people send in a contribution. I'm not suggesting you do this. It's just I'm just saying some quite a few do. But they'll send in a, a thought, a line, or a scripture verse. This is from some folks that have been supporting this ministry for a long time, faithfully, every month, generously. They sent this with their check this month. I got it a day or so ago. It was put on my desk. Psalm 34, 4. I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me 
from all my fears. Have you ever noticed how God's Word is so relevant to the times in which we live? Words that were written thousands of years ago seem to be spoken for the first time when we hear them or read them in the Word of God. That's because the Word of God is inspired. It's a dynamic, inspired document. It is the only one that exists in all of the world. I know there are cults that come up with their own book. Sometimes they put it beside the Bible and they say, well, you know, this is this too is inspired. It's, it's the supplement to the Bible and blah, blah, blah. If you hear anything close to that, just erase it. Forget it. Walk away from it. The Bible is the book. There are millions of books that help you understand the Bible or help you live out the teaching of the Bible or the principles of the Bible, for sure. But when a book, any book, is presented as a supplement or a companion of some kind, suggesting that it has kind of an equal standing, there's no need to look into that. I can tell you in a, in a word, it is not... It is not of God. The Bible is God's word for the human race. It's inspired. It's infallible. Heaven and earth is going to pass away, but God's word, we're told, will never pass away. So it's eternal. That's why we live by the book, because we live in such confusing times. It's chaotic and it's fearful. But don't be fearful. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. We can't try to lean to our own understanding to figure everything out. I mean, there's certain people, I know people, I'm close to some people, that they want to figure everything out. You know, you're never going to figure everything out. You just keep going and trust the Lord and keep looking up and keep looking forward. God is in control. Fear not. How many times... Do you read fear not in the Bible many times? I'm sure someone has counted them. Maybe you know how many. I don't offhand, but it seems to me I've read the number somewhere. It's a lot. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky, it was historic what he said this morning. His uh, talk began, his speech to our U.S. Congress was kind of a unique thing. It doesn't happen a lot, if ever like this, but um, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi introduced the Ukrainian president, led members in chanting Slava Ukraini. She's always <laughs> just, I, I don't want to get off on her because she, she, I, I want to talk about her, but I want to talk about her perception as the third in line to the presidency of the United States. But She's always trying to say words. I remember a while back, remember when she was kneeling on the floor and she and Schumer and these guys had these scarves around their neck? It was a year or two ago. Uh, And the the scarves were from Africa somewhere or something. And as it turned out, the scarves, I, I thought they looked like they might mean more than just keep your neck warm. And as it turned out, they did. And it was really an affront. I don't think she meant it to be. She was trying to like be one of the bunch and try to fit in with some African country. I forget what one it was. 
by wearing these scarves and she had all these other people around her wearing them and Schumer was wearing them and they got on their knees and, and they were kind of giving allegiance to, I don't know, pictures or something that had to do, but it was some kind of a celebration. But it was actually, ironically, it was more offensive than it was like it was a Me Too moment for her. Well, she always does that. She's always trying to kind of like fit in and it's kind of like, I know I'm I'm better than everybody else, but I, I want to appear to be just like you. That, I mean, that's the feeling I get. I don't mean that critically. I mean, that's just the, the, the view I get of her. Anyway, she was shouting around this morning there, Slava, Ukraine, and so on. And that, that, I, think, I think that means glory to Ukraine. And um, I guess that's used in Ukraine a lot. They're, they say that. I don't know. I know Ukrainian people, but I, I don't know what they say. But I guess that's it. But anyway, Zelensky responded on his his virtual uh, call to Congress. He said, glory to heroes. Thank you very much, Madam Speaker, members of Congress, ladies, gentlemen, Americans, friends. I'm proud to greet you from Ukraine, from our capital city, Kiev, um, a city that is under missile and airstrikes from Russian troops every day, but it doesn't give up. And we have not even thought about it for a second, giving up. In the emotional appeal, Zelensky asked Americans this morning to put themselves in the shoes of the Ukrainians by remembering Pearl Harbor. He said, when your sky was black from the planes attacking you and September 11 attacks, saying that every day now for three weeks, Ukraine has seen death. He said, I'm just summarizing in about two or three minutes what he said. It wasn't a long speech, though. It was pretty succinct and pretty much to the point. Then he said, remember September 11th, the terrible day in 2001 when evil tried to turn your city's independent territories on battlefields, when innocent people were attacked from air? Yes, just like no one else expected it. You could not stop it. Our country experiences the same thing every day, right now at this moment, every night for three weeks. Uh, now various Ukrainian cities. Russia has turned the Ukrainian skies into a source of death for thousands of people. He continued on that, and he talked about the importance of, of, of closing the skies to Russia. America, Biden is saying, no, because that'll mean American planes will be shooting down Russian planes, and we don't want to get into a war with Russia. Um, that's probably the least effective way to lead if you're a world leader. You lead from a position of strength, not of fear. And that's what he's doing. He's saying, we're afraid to get into a, a war. I understand. No, None of us want a World War III with Russia. But I'm just saying, as a, just a guy out here, as one of 300 million citizens in America plus, um, man, I wish he'd be a little more forceful than that, a little stronger. But he's not capable of being that because that isn't who he is. So Zelensky continued, he closed his brief but extraordinary address by speaking to President Biden directly, right to him, respectfully, but to him in English, broken with an accent, but in English. He said, I'm addressing to, Pre I'm quoting him verbatim, I'm addressing to President Biden, you are the leader of the nation, of your brave nation. I wish you to be leader of the world. Being the leader of the world means to be the leader of peace. Thank you. Slava Ukraini. That's the essence of what he said 
today. That will reverberate around the world, of course. And it'll be interpreted by, depending on whether people are supportive of Ukraine or not, um, it'll be looked at and interpreted in that way. But the thing is that, I mean, they, they need our help. And we're giving them a lot of help. I mean, billions of dollars and uh, lots of uh, equipment. But we're unwilling to close the skies over Ukraine. And that's what they need most. And that's what this guy is asking for. I understand not wanting to purposely start a war with Russia. I do not understand the lack of leadership on the part of the United States of America. What this says to me, and I think it does to all of us ordinary folks out here, is that America, without we haven't declared ourselves to be the king of the world. We haven't declared ourselves to be the leader of the world. We have just become that. By virtue of God's blessing on this nation, by virtue of God blessing America because of our founding documents and because we had people in leadership, generally speaking, that held to, in some form, those principles. We now have a man in the Oval Office who claims to be the most devout religious president in the history of this nation. He has said that, and people close to him have said that on his behalf. Yet the very religion, the Catholic Church, that he is so quick to tell you he is a lifelong member of and a believer in in Catholicism, He denies the most fundamental core beliefs of the Catholic Church. I don't speak for the Catholic Church. I don't speak for anybody but myself. And my intention is to speak for God as a minister of the gospel. But man, I know what the Catholics believe, kind of. Quite a bit, in fact. I studied it in preparation for the ministry, but nonetheless... I know what the Catholics believe, particularly on the most fundamental issues of life itself. In fact, the sanctity of life. And yet he is a cheerleader for the abortion community. How do you be devoutly religious while you are leading the pack to stand, put your fist in the face of every principle, the most important principles, of marriage and family and the sanctity of life that the Bible teaches. Does that make you religious that you claim to be? That's what the Pharisees did. Anyway, that's what we where we are today, and that's part of the problem as we see the world starting to teeter and the, the people are talking about the, their fears about uh, well-versed people, people who are well-informed, are talking about their fears about this kind of an alignment. And it isn't because they want to be friends. It's because they have a common enemy, which is us, the U.S., China and Russia, becoming more and more aligned. And while Russia is struggling, apparently, it looks like they are, to take over Ukraine. I mean, they're killing a lot of people and they're blowing up buildings. But it looks like they're struggling. It looks like, and people are saying now that are probably informed, are saying that Putin was really shocked. He is shocked. He thought he could wrap that up in a short time, and it hasn't turned out that way. He he underestimated the resolve of the people, and he may have underestimated the amount of 
military hardware that they have in the country. But nonetheless, he's struggling. But he's making progress, I guess. He's keep blowing up more buildings and killing more people. So I, I'm, I would assume that he feels he's making progress. But there is this alignment that's happening between Russia and China. And it's not, as I said, it's not like, hey, we need to get together. We share all this in common. It's that they have a common enemy. And that enemy has been the leader of the world. And that's what Zelensky's trying to say from his desk with his T-shirt on. He's in the fray over there. I mean, he's with these guys that are fighting that war. He sent his family out of the country. He stayed there and is leading it. And whatever he is or isn't, and there is a lot of corruption in Ukraine. There's no question about that. And Russia and China and the U.S., and everywhere there is mankind, there is corruption, because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and that's why ultimately we need a savior more than we even need a military leader, but we need a military leader, and we need a political leader as well, and that's what's happening in our world today, and that's why there's so much fear, there's so much uncertainty, because who knows what's next? And who knows if Putin is having mental difficulties? Obviously, the leader of America is. I mean, that's well known. It's not even disputed. So what are they capable of doing? I don't know. Neither does millions and billions of people around the world. But we are teetering on the verge, on the edge of something. And we're watching what happens day to day. And we do our best on this program to give you a, a bit of light on what's happening. And we spend time looking at it prayerfully, informing ourselves. I do every day. Interestingly enough, yesterday I I, um, I mentioned to you, just as we came on the air, that Bloomberg had just put out a, a headline, a, a breaking news headline. And I, I didn't get to read more about it because I literally was saying good morning to you on our live edition of this program at 9 a.m. Pacific time, but the the headline the headline that I, I mentioned yesterday read from Bloomberg, uh, Russia has announced sanctions on U.S. President Joe Biden and a slew of officials in his administration. I told you I was going to look into that. Well, I did. Boy, they did put. I I don't know how much effect this is going to have on their personal lives. But I'm not going to read the list, but there's quite a few people, and it's mostly all of the people, leaders in the administration, in the Biden administration, beginning with Joseph Biden himself. But they don't put Junior on there. I think his dad's name was Joseph Biden Sr. So I don't know. Maybe they'll, I'm sure his dad is passed on now, but I don't know how that's going to work out for Russia. But anyway, they have, they have attached Joseph Robinette Biden and Anthony Blinken and, and James Austin, all these guys that are in his administration, as I said, I'm not going to read all the Jennifer, uh, Jen Psaki, the, the press secretary that you see on there all the time. And uh, number 10 on the list is Robert Hunter Biden, son of the U.S. president. They have attached him. I don't again, I don't know how effective this attachment will be. But they also, right next to Hunter Biden, number 11 on their list, is Hillary Diane Rodham Clinton, former U.S. presidential candidate. That's how they they identify her. There's other names on there. Some of them you would know, some not, perhaps. But nonetheless, they're aggressively, whatever they can do or trying to do to these individuals. It's interesting time, and it's interesting how 
the progressives begin to focus and what they focus upon in times like these, when there are so many difficulties and so many challenges. I took note of a meeting that Nancy Pelosi led last Friday in um, Philadelphia. President Joe Biden joined her. It was a Democratic kind of a caucus or a conference. In fact, they called it the House Democratic Issues Conference, met in, as I said, Philadelphia. Joe Biden actually joined them. And as she introduced him, after she had been introduced, she announced to him, she said, actually, we began, Mr. President, with a prayer. It was a prayer to St. Francis. Well, I would begin with that, and I, I, I mean this very sincerely. I would probably consider praying to God himself rather than St. Francis, although some of what Francis has written is pretty good. I've actually quoted Francis myself occasionally in a biblical sermon. But man, I don't think we need Francis as much as we need Almighty God himself. But nonetheless, she said, where there's despair, may we bring hope. So she admits that there's a lot of despair, and she's looking to herself or people who have served God, the saints of her church, as the answer. She said, would you join me for a couple of minutes as we take a look at where our country is today? She began her introduction. She said, actually, we began with a prayer. She said it was to St. Francis, and later she said it was a prayer of St. Francis. And she said, Mr. President, you have brought us hope. I haven't seen that hope myself, but that's what she said. Mr. Cleaver had apparently, she referred to a Mr. Cleaver, and he had apparently offered the prayer in his introduction of Speaker Pelosi. She said, now Mr. Cleaver's prayers have their own imagination, but they also bring us hope. So thank you, Mr. Cleaver, for your introduction. Your, I say, your, I'm quoting Nancy Pelosi verbatim. Your introduction, your, I say, your, introduct, your prayer. Then she began her formal introduction, which was written, of President Biden. Noting that the Ukrainians are fighting for their democracy, she transitioned to what what it really is that she and her fellow progressives are fighting for. And they also want to fight to rescue our country with their American rescue plan. She said, and I quote, now, I'm just saying this is on the record. It's on the White House record as Speaker of the House, blah, 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 the date and so on. She said, now I'm just saying, Mr. President, it's an honor for us to see you any day. But on the one year anniversary of the rescue package, that's the American Rescue Plan. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for your leadership. Now, I know you all talked about it over the weekend. You talked about millions of jobs created under your leadership, hundreds of millions of vaccinations taking place, children in school because of you, back, uh, people back to work because of your leadership, child tax credit, so many things that you made possible and to improve the lives of American people on this one-day anniversary, one-year anniversary. More to be done. What we talked about here, 
when I heard you say in that room and I quoted you, you will be very pleased to join in a bipartisan way for an infrastructure bill that will not confine your vision for America to just that. That's code for we're going to really use the money for other stuff, not in infrastructure. Uh, not just that. And we have other initiatives that are being put forth. Quoting her next paragraph, as you said in your State of the Union address, clearly your message was about hope. It was about progress. It was about empathy for the people, many of whom have not felt the benefit of the upturn in our economy. Our economy is in chaos. We are experiencing the highest inflation, which is deadly to, a, to a, an economy. If you don't believe it, ask Venezuela, ask Chile, ask Indonesia, ask Russia now. I don't know how they can say this with a straight face, even to one another in a closed meeting in Philadelphia, but they are. With this election, she said, because we talked about empathy. Under your leadership, we talked about the equality and empathy and all that we are doing, whether it is building infrastructure or advancing our economy to do so in a new and a fresh way to not only help people survive, but to help them succeed and do so in a transformative way where men and women and people of color and participated in all of that. And, and you're making that happen with your policy equity, with empathy for the people making progress. She said, I'll just close by saying our democracy is on the ballot here. Oh, it's about the election. Well, it should be for politicians. We know that. Continuing, she said, quote, not every uh, Mr. Hoyer has said again and again that Republicans are saying legitimate political discourse is what happened on January 6th. That's a threat to our democracy. Then she said this in her closing remarks. Yesterday we were at Independence Hall and saw the reenactment of the peaceful transfer of power with George Washington and John Adams. Very emotional, especially in light of what happened last year. Then she quoted atheist Thomas Paine. She said that he said, the times have found us, the times that try men's souls. That's a half-truth. She talked about the need for Democrats to show the public the relationship between democracy and their kitchen table concerns. And on and on and on she went in her closing remarks. Even the New York Times is concerned, so concerned that the progressives are losing control in this country, that they wrote an article in response to that, and I included that in an article I wrote today on faithandfreedom.us. They feel that the tide is changing. The New York Times is warning them by virtue of a news story, supposedly, telling them you better wake up. I would say to all who are conservatives, all of us who love the Lord and embrace conservative values. This is a time for us not to stand back in confusion or fear, but to become a leader, but to lead. Lead where? Well, wherever you are. Bloom where you're planted, as it has been said. But be the person that God has called you to be. Don't be cowering in fear because we don't understand all that's going on. We will never understand all that's going on, but we must understand one thing, and you can know this, you can be assured of this. God is in control of all things all the time. And he loves you. And he cares for you. 
and he cares for the human race, and God has put his son on a cross and raised him from the dead so that he could bring life and hope, and it's not the kind of hope that Pelosi and the other people are talking about. It's not political. It's spiritual. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.